So my name is Andrew Youngblood. I'm the Chi Alpha Director at TCU. Go Frogs! Thanks for having the purple up behind me tonight. That's that's kind. I have a picture of my family, I think. Do we have that? Sweet. So this is my family. This is my son, Asher, my daughter, Lily, my wife, Alicia. And uh, they are, besides Jesus, the most important thing in the world to me. And... Um, uh, I need someone to take a picture of me to prove that I was here and not just taking a nap. <laughs> we, you know, going, um, the parents get that. So, um, Asher, though, whenever I was leaving uh, this today, uh, he prayed for me. And as he was praying, um, he said, Daddy, is there going to be food at this thing? And I was like, or he said, uh, yeah, are we going to be feeding people? I was like. Yeah, and so when he prayed, he prayed that I would multiply the loaves and fishes, and everyone would get plenty of food. <laughs> so if you have any fish sticks, we can give it a try. But um, I love them so much, so much, and they send their love, and um, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to come and speak. I, I, I love Scroggins as well. He's also one of my best friends, so that's pretty cool. That he loves me and I love him. And uh, I don't know what he's talking about with being kind and nice to people. Because he's only ever been nice to me. And um, one of the cool things about the Scroggins family is uh, there's been a couple of times. Uh, one time my, my daughter went to the hospital with pneumonia. And um, recently both my kids got the flu. And both times um, they insisted on buying us pizza. And uh, sending us pizza from all the way in San Angelo and um, giving us just a spot of, of love and release from having to cook food for a night. And uh, that's just the kind of people they are. And I know their team is that way. And so I'm just, I'm honored to be able to be friends with them. Um, I grew up in this church, so it's weird to be up here. I used to lead worship here and stuff too. So it's, it's kind of odd to be up here. Um, and it's hard not to cry because there's a lot of memories, right? I went to this church from, from the age of five to like 25. So um, it's changed a lot. The, Lord, uh, the Lord's been doing so many cool things. If you don't have a home church, I just want to give a plug. Like if you don't go anywhere on Sundays, you should come here. Because Pastor Landon and the, and the staff team here are also some of my best friends. Mighty men and women of God. God's doing incredible things here. And you should be a part of a body of believers that's, that's not just all like you. Right? Like, church is, is old people and babies and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so you should be involved in, in that as well. So just a quick plug. You're, you're in the right place. So uh, tonight I'm going to be talking about uh, balance. And um, how many of you guys feel like you have your life in order? Like you're on top of it? I got, I got one hand. Praise the Lord. So no one in here, if I said, hey, how's life going? You'd be like, got it. No, except for him. Anyone else? You ready to come preach for me tonight? If you got it down, dude, you're the expert. <laughs> Just kidding. So most of us, including myself, would say that we're, we're at some level of the struggle bus right in the... In the balance uh, thing. And so when we start talking about balance, we, we realize that we might feel a little bit like this. <laughs> oh, 
Who ordered the hot apple fail? Okay, I am just getting started, okay? You got this. This is all you. Oh! Oh! Got ourselves a yard sale. Not a race, Dwight. Well, it's official. Old Dwight is lame and new Dwight is cool. That's not true. Give me another chance. This is a bloodbath. All right, I'm calling this. This is enough. It's enough of this. Everyone, let's go back to work. This is a stupid activity. I would be embarrassed to be good at it. How many of you guys feel like Dwight? How many of you say, like, talking about balance in my life, this is a bloodbath. <laughs> it's not going well. Uh, and, and <laughs> when the subject of balance is brought up, it's something that's on our mind. Like, we start thinking about the demands on our time, on our energy, on our attention. We have to make good grades. We have to eat healthy and work out. We have to build our resume. We have to build friendships and have fun. Uh, we should probably spend some time with Jesus, right? Uh, someone once told us that sleep is a good idea, right? Self-care, you know, those kind of things. But when you start tallying up all the stuff that you're supposed to be doing and like having in your life, um, we realize that uh, there doesn't seem to be enough time or energy or attention to devote to these things. And the most difficult part of this, in my opinion, is the voices that are calling us to all of these things are not just ourselves. Like we have an internal, like, I probably should get in the gym. I probably shouldn't eat that extra slice of pizza, right? You know, that, that kind of stuff. But then there are other people like parents and advisors and professors and pastors and podcasters and Instagram influencers that have, they have a plan for your life too. And they want to speak into what you need to be putting into your life and the things that you should be focusing on. There's actually people behind these demands. And so everyone has an opinion on how you should live and what you should do with your time, energy, and attention. And basically no one agrees, so that's not helpful, right? So that's, that's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves stressed and overwhelmed and tired and distracted and overcommitted. Anybody feel that? Yeah? But we follow Jesus, right? Like those of us that follow Jesus, he's the Prince of Peace, He said he came to give us life to the fullest. Scripture teaches that in God's presence there is fullness of joy. But we have stress and tired and all this stuff. We get frustrated when we can't figure out how to balance everything. And I think some of us are frustrated because we view balance like like this scale. That if we can just get the right stuff in the right place and it would just be nice and even and it would be fixed and it would be perfect, we'd be good to go. And we get frustrated because it never quite works out. But really, I think we should look at it. uh, This is kind of a misunderstanding. We should look at it more like this. This idiot um, walked from one of the Twin Towers to the other. And they made a movie about it too. But anyway, this is more like what balancing in our life looks like. It's not a problem to be solved. It's a tension that we manage. Right? We live in the tension. And this guy's life it really is, uh, is, depends on him staying in balance. Right? He's living in this tension. There's wind. There's weight shifting. He's moving. And so he's making adjustments as he goes along. And I think this is more like what we face when it comes to balance in our lives. Because it's more about practice than perfection. 
It's more about practice and perfection because every stage and season of life throws something new at you. Like each semester you get a new class schedule. Eventually you might get a girlfriend or boyfriend and apparently they expect to spend time with you. Uh, Your job schedule will change. Someday you might get married. You might have kids. You might have five kids. (laughs) And all of these things come with demands on your time and your energy and your attention. And so each stage of life and each season, we need to make those adjustments to the weight. We need to make the adjustments as we're walking. The wind blows, the weight shifts, we're moving forward. And so it's a tension that we manage. It's not a problem to solve. And that can help ease the frustration a little bit. We don't have to mourn. When we, when we struggle in this area, like we don't, we don't have to fear failure and struggle. Like we just get better at it. We just work at it. We don't have to quit and pull a Dwight and just be like, it would be stupid to be good at this. You know, like, cause if we do that, then we're letting other people and culture decide what we do with our time, our energy and our attention. We, we just respond. Like if we give up on this balancing, we just respond to the tyranny of the urgent and the squeakiest wheel and the loudest voice, right? We miss out on investing in things that, that have eternal value when we don't, we don't do this. And so there'll always be demands on us from all around us, voices that are calling to us and uh, calling us to respond to demands. And some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are holy. Some of them are unholy. But we can learn how to live in that tension and grow at getting better and navigating it. We really can. Um, how many of you guys have, le- have read at least one of the Gospels? All right, most of you guys. So let me ask you this question. Did Jesus have a balanced or an imbalanced life? Why do you say he had a balanced life? Somebody tell me. Because he's Jesus. <laughs> Wonderful Sunday school answer. Um, Did Jesus actually navigate the tension in his life well? Did he really have a balanced life? I asked one of my students this uh, recently. I said, how did Jesus' life look in regard to balance? And he was like, oh, dude, he was super busy. Like, there were tons of people demanding his time and his energy and his attention. And he was just like, dude, he was going nonstop. He was constantly on the move. And I was like... Was he? Really? Let's look at this passage. Matthew chapter 3. Okay, so Jesus, uh, this is right before his public ministry takes off. Uh, He goes to John the Baptist, which happens to be his cousin, which is pretty cool. He goes to John the Baptist and asks him to baptize him. And John the Baptist is like, no, I should not be doing this. And Jesus is like, no, you have to. And he's like, okay. Um, So Jesus gets baptized. And, and, and we, we pick up here. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. I would not want to be personally tempted by the devil. So... Jesus goes into the wilderness. Like, we see in in the Gospel of Luke, 
that at the age of 12, Jesus gets separated from his parents and they lose him for a couple of days and they, they go back into Jerusalem and they, they go to find him and he's in the temple and he's learning from uh, the priest. He's asking questions and that kind of thing. And they're like, what, what are you doing to us? And he's like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house, mom and dad? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? 12 years old, right? So he has an awareness, I, I think, of his divinity and his call at 12. He's 30 when this happens. There are 18 unaccounted for years in Jesus' life. Can you imagine for 18 years, maybe more, waking up saying, Father, is today the day I get to do what you've asked me to do? And he says, not today, son. 18 years. He's a carpenter. He's learning. He's growing in character and that kind of stuff. He wakes up one morning and it's finally time. God says, yes, and I need you to go get baptized. And so he goes and the, like the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And the Father says from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He hasn't done a miracle. He hasn't preached a sermon. And God is saying, I am pleased with you. That's amazing. And then instead of capitalizing on the moment, like launching his personal brand, setting up his Instagram account, his YouTube channel, like having a book launch of the Old Testament. I mean, like I wrote that, guys. Like instead of doing all that stuff, instead of capitalizing on this momentum, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. Can you imagine the people who witnessed that site and then saw Jesus disappear into the woods? You know, like, wow, that was a Where's he going? What? I thought... I thought John said he was the Messiah. Why the heck did he do this? Like, why would he do something so seemingly unwise? Right? Because he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit guided him, led him, instructed him in the ways and the will of his Father. He did the exact opposite of what most of us would normally do in this situation, right? Because... Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the will of His Father. And as a result, I would contend that He had that disposition His whole life and He actually lived the most balanced life that anyone's ever lived. If you think you have a ton of demands on your time, energy, and attention, I can assure you that Jesus had more. Right? You know, your advisor, your parents, your friends, your professor, our culture, like they have a plan for your life. They want you to structure your life around their demands, but you're not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. What Jesus was dealing with was his mom saying, hey, turn this water into wine. <laughs> the religious leaders are, are saying, show me a miraculous sign. The masses are saying, heal us, deliver us, lead us, be our king. The devil is saying, just bow down to me. The disciples are saying, teach us, but please stop talking about your death. And, oh, can you calm this storm? And then the disciples' moms show up and ask if they can sit next to Jesus in heaven. Like, everybody has demands on Jesus' time and attention. He's walking in this balance. He had endless demands, endless pleas for his time, energy, and his attention and his power. And so there were so many voices and opinions about what he should be and what he should do. And so how could he possibly live a balanced life in the midst of all this and he did it because the voice that he was following was the voice of the spirit the person that he was 
working to follow was his father. The only demands that he responded to were those that came from his father. Not anyone outside and really not even his own demands, his own thoughts of what he should do with his life. Because we see in the garden, he says, uh, God, if it's, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You think that's the first time Jesus prayed that prayer? It was a life of nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He lived. And it just didn't make sense. It makes zero sense in the natural, like, most of the time from, from my perspective, even reading it. And so Jesus lived this counterintuitive life led by the Spirit. So crowds would gather around him to follow and celebrate him, and then he would just walk away and go in the wilderness. He picked up a bunch of stragglers to be his apostles. Like, he didn't even pick from the religious elite. He'd pray all night when he was should be sleeping, and then he'd sleep through storms when everyone else was praying. Like... He was infinitely holy and criticized for being around unholy people. He was super gentle and compassionate with sinners, you know, repentant sinners, and very, very ruthless with the self-righteous jerks. Like the disciples would tell him, hey, send all these hungry people away. And he'd be like, no, let's feed them. And, and the disciples would say, the, you know, the parents would come with their kids and the disciples would be like, get those stupid kids out of here. And he'd be like, no, 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 bring them here. I want, I want to bless them. He just had a different way. He seemed to work when people thought he should rest and rest when people thought he should work. He seemed so unhurried and willing to be interrupted when he had the most important mission in history and only three years to accomplish it. He... So many demands, yet he's living in this tension and he's doing it perfectly. Jesus wasn't shaken about it. By it, he had peace, he had balance, he walked perfectly in that tension because he was only command, uh, concerned about the demands of his father. And he was free. He was free to accomplish the will of the father because he was led by the spirit and not by the other voices all around him making demands on his life. When I start talking about the freedom that Jesus experienced, can you, I mean, I, just, I can't even imagine the pressure, right? The things people wanted him to do and the balance that he, the tension that he had to walk in. When I start talking about how Jesus walked through the, his life, my heart starts to ache a little bit because he seems so free. You guys feel that? I, I just... I want that so badly that the other voices in my life would not take precedence over Jesus, would not take precedence over the Spirit, that, that there is peace and freedom of Jesus. Like, I want that. And I want, I want us to know today that Jesus wants us to have it. He wants us to have what He had. In fact, in John chapter 14, uh, verse 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The context of him saying the peace that I leave you is the promise of the Holy Spirit because the verse right before it is this. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all, the thi all things 
and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. The same spirit that led him into the wilderness. The same spirit that led him to a balanced life. The same spirit that led him to follow the will of his father and not other people. He said to his disciples, he's going to lead you too. He's going to teach you. The insane thing is Jesus says uh, in, in the book of John, he says, I don't say anything that the father is not saying. And I don't do anything that the father is not doing. And then he tells the disciples, the Holy Spirit is going to say and do what I tell him to do. Like Jesus submitted to the Father, the Holy Spirit submitted to the Son. It's just crazy thing in the Trinity. So what stands in the way of us being led by the Spirit like this? Like in our day, what are the demands? What are the things that we struggle to find freedom and peace in Jesus like we should? I want to tell you a story. So there's this pastor. His name's John Ortberg. And uh, he was on a, uh, he was a teaching pastor at a massive, massive mega church. Over 20,000 people on a weekend. And he found himself in this place. Like, I have kids. I have, I'm leading in this church. I've got all these things. I've got all these demands on my time. I'm out of balance. I'm out of balance. And I don't know what to do. So he calls um, a buddy of his a very wise man, a philosopher and professor. His name was Dallas Willard. And so he calls Dallas Willard and he starts to just tell him all of what's going on. He's like, dude, I'm out of balance. I don't feel like I am the person that I'm supposed to be, like it's messed up. And he says, he asks, he asks him, he says, what do I need to do to become the me I want to be? And there's this really long silence. And Dallas says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So John writes it down. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And then he goes, okay, what else? <laughs> and this is, what, this is what Dallas says. There is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. In our day, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Willard understood something that we need to understand. What he was trying to get at with Sean is that life is as much about who we're becoming as what we're doing. Life is as much about who we are becoming as what we're doing. It may be even more important who we're becoming. Because here's the thing, guys. Everything we do impacts who we are and who we are becoming. There are no neutral inputs in our lives. All that we do pushes us toward who we should be or it should become or away from it. And so when we're addicted to being busy, when we're addicted to hurry, we're in a constant this state of hurry. We don't have time to assess whether or not all these things that we're doing are helping us become more of who Jesus wants us to be. We're so busy we can't even assess is this even what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this even the direction? Am I becoming the person that God wants me to be? We can be so off course and not even realize it because we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry. I had a conversation with a student at TCU one time, and he was like, man, i got to get, he was wanted to finish uh, his degree in three years and go on to do a master's, and he was just, just like, just talking about it. I'm so stressed because i got to get this done and all this stuff. And I was like, it seems like you and all your friends are going like 90 miles an hour towards something you don't even know. To what? to, you know, good grades, to a good resume, to a good job, to good money, 
you know, to good life, to what? What are you in a hurry? Toward. And he's like, I don't know. Why are you in such a hurry then? I love, I love what Corey Ten Boom says about this. I'm going to quote here. If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. I plagiarized it and I changed it. So it's, uh, if the devil cannot make us heathens, he will make us hashtag hustle. (laughs) I know this is true because of my son, Asher. I, um, I was one day I wanted to take him to do something fun. And uh, I said, dude, put your shoes on. You got to put your shoes on, man. We got to go. We're going to go do something fun. He's like, "Um, Daddy, I don't really have time right now. Um, Because I'm very busy. (laughs) And I was, put your shoes on. You know, like I was so. (laughs) I kind of laughed, though. It was kind of funny. I wanted good things for him. I wanted him. I I had a plan and a purpose and something fun for him to do. And he said, ah. I'm a little busy, Daddy. But I kind of laughed about that. And then a couple days later, I, I said, Hey, buddy, come here and hang out with me. Like, come sit in my lap. Let's have a conversation. He goes, You know, Daddy, um, I really don't have time right now. I'm, I'm pretty busy. I, I don't have time. And that, that one hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> I just wanted to be with him. And I just remember being like, I mean, where did he even get that? And the Lord was like, where he gets everything else, you. (laughs) Recognition that my son has already picked up from me. You know, buddy, I really don't have time right now. I'm busy. That's not the heart of the Father. And it's not what he wants for us. He's saying that I plan for you, have something for you to do. You got to put your shoes on, man. <laughs> and, he, and he longs for us not to say, we're too busy, man. We're too busy. We can't hear the voice of his spirit because we make no time to hear his voice. We don't even have to live evil lives. Just busy, busy hurried lives. Our ability to become who we're called to be and make an imp- the impact that God has called us to make can be thwarted by just busyness and hurry. When we're in a hurry, we, we live that reactionary life. We respond to the squeaky wheel, the loudest voice, the most pressing demand. We have no time to assess whose voice we're really responding to. And that is not, not, not the way of Jesus. He wasn't in a hurry. He was led by the Spirit. He was living in the tension. He was living a balanced life. He finds out one of his best friends is sick and about to die, Lazarus, right? And they say, hey, come on, Lazarus is sick. It's not looking good. And he goes, all right, well, that's not going to end the death. And four days later, shows up and Lazarus is dead. (laughs) Conveniently, he raises him to life. But he wasn't in a hurry. Why? Why? 
only, only because he was led by the Spirit. He, he, it's so crazy. And it's so many of Jesus' miracles, when you read, happened in, in interruptions. Can you imagine how many miracles we would have missed if he'd have just been like, do not touch me, woman. I'm you know, going to, you know, like, don't, don't get a healing. Like, just running from people, like, super busy, super in a hurry. He had margin for the miracle. Do we have margin in our lives for miraculous interruptions? If we're not being led by the Spirit, we won't. When I was in you guys' shoes, I was, uh, I was in two bands, and I was in two worship teams, and I also was uh, going to school, and I had a job, and I was here uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday here at the church, and I had band rehearsal. Um, and then we would travel sometimes on the weekends to go play. And I was also kind of, you know, not living for the Lord. So one of those bands played in bars. So then sometimes I'd play in bar on Saturday night. And I'd come and play smelling like smoke before the laws changed uh, here. Um, it smelled like hell, you know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, I lived that busy, hurried, crazy life. And I, I thought... That uh, the service that I was giving to God was holy, you know. It was here every time the doors were open. I was leading people into worship. But I cratered so many friendships over the course of those busy years. Friends that I just, I hurt because I was so busy. I left people hanging all the time, like even worse than I do now. Um, I was so plagued with like, unrepentant just sin and mess because I I was doing all these things for God but I didn't know God at all it was like it was like I would stand before God and say you know I did all these things in your name I led people into worship I prayed over people I did all these things and he would go I don't even know you man one time no lie I was standing right here uh, we were in worship practice and my brother was playing bass and I screamed at him in the middle of worship practice. Like, screamed at him. And uh, no one ever let me forget that for the rest of my life. But I was in such a bad place. I was selfish. I didn't have peace. I didn't have joy. I was a mess. I was out of balance. Because I was just in a hurry. I was just busy. And I thought I was doing the right thing. But, but I, I wasn't living... The fruit of the Spirit. This is what, um, in Galatians, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Man, if I was to just go through that list and describe my life when I was in your situation, I was selfish. I was sad. I was hurried. I was super impatient. I was mean to people. I didn't do anything that wasn't already on the schedule for me to do ministry-wise. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have a, a selfless... I wasn't faithful to my friends. And obviously I screamed at my brother. I had no self-control. Right? I wasn't living the fruit of the Spirit. But this is what, this is what Paul says to the church in, in Galatia. He says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living what? By the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading. 
in every part of our lives. Sounds like what Jesus did. Shocker, right? And a lot of times we read those as like a test or a measure. Like, ask yourself, is Andrew loving? Is he full of joy? You know, like we kind of a measure. And that's not a bad thing. But what about reading them as a promise to those living a life led by the Spirit? When you are led by the Spirit, you will experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that come out of you when you let the Spirit lead. So how do we conquer the hurry and the busyness, right? There are a million ways, but I just want to draw out one, one thing tonight. And I'm going to give you a resource that maybe will help for a lot of other things. But I, one thing that we can do to conquer the hurry and busyness. And here, here, here's the thing, guys. All of us are, you know, we, we, we struggle with balance. There are things that we know that, you know, are out of balance. And I can't tell you what it is for you. That's the whole point of being led by the Spirit, right? Like, He wants to show you, but you have to spend time with Him to understand what it is. And so Sabbath, man, instituted really from the very beginning, Jesus, I'm not Jesus, God, uh, well, yeah, Jesus was there too, but the Lord uh, creates the world in six days, and on the seventh day he rests, not because he was tired, not because he needed a break or a nap, but that was a pattern that he established in creation, a day off, a day, Sabbath, Shabbat actually just means to cease, to stop. To rest. Now, um, I know people talk about living in the Sabbath rest of God and the fact that maybe maybe God sort of abolished the whole day off thing. And to be honest with you, I believe in living in the Sabbath rest of God. I also believe that um, he didn't cancel all the other Ten Commandments. Why would he cancel that one? Like, I can lose my preaching, my credentials if I sleep with someone or if I... Uh, kill someone or if I'm a liar or a thief or, you know, I set up this big statue and worship it in my house. Like, But I will be celebrated if I break the Sabbath because of what I can get done because hashtag hustle because I'm working for Jesus. Sabbath is a gift from God. And, and so I, I'm not going to tell you like, Jew, uh, Jewish people still, um, you know, the serious ones still abide by the Sabbath, you know, from Friday night to Saturday night. They, they take this rest, and, and um, I'm not going to die on the hill of a whole day off, but I will wave at you from that hill as you hurry by to burn out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's, here's the thing, whether or not we're supposed to obey the Sabbath and take a whole 24 hours off or not. Um, let me ask you this. When we talk about tithing, we often say, you know, God wants us to give back 10% of our money. And so we say, cannot God do more with your 90% than you can do with 100%? My question is, can God not do more with six days than you can do with seven? Is he big enough to accomplish through you and in you the things that he wants to accomplish in six days? 
reality is the things that he wants, the things that happen in our soul on the day off are the things that get us through the other six days. And you can get this twisted off. You can get this wrong. Like you can say, I'm taking a day off and not actually live a Sabbath life. One of, one of my guys, Joey, he was like, we, man, we were just talking with him. Actually, he's a kid that was going 90 miles an hour, right? And I was like, bro, you, you need to take a day off. There's this idea of Sabbath. So he started taking a day off. But really, he didn't rest. He's still worried about class. He's still worried about, you know, like his, he didn't rest. And he didn't, like, let himself cease. And stop. And uh, I was talking to him about this, and he said, You know, man, I didn't really understand Sabbath until I started Sabbathing every day. And I was like, well, What does that mean? And he was like, Well, I wake up in the morning and I, I spend time in Scripture and I pray. And I pray about my day and I ask the Lord to help me go through my day. And uh, I've recognized that. My little daily Sabbath time has actually helped me feel rest during these days and then also have a, a restful day off. And I was like, oh, so you have extravagant daily time with Jesus. That's what you're doing. You're spending time abiding in Jesus. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's it. He found rest. The insane thing about Joey's story, and I share this with students all the time, is that when he started living out this principle of Sabbath, taking a day off, uh, letting, pairing out, like trimming out all the excess stuff, all the study, like studying less. When he started studying less, his grades got better. There is a point of diminishing return, right? He's gotten more done. He's made the, the same good grades. He's, he's led a life group. He's a disciple people. He's become a mighty man of God. From a place of rest and peace. So I want to point you to a resource. Man, I could just talk about this forever. It's a passion of mine. I want to point you to this resource. It's been uh, a, just super challenging to me. This podcast, Fight, Hustle, and In Hurry. It's a pastor and a, um, a Christian author. And, and they unpack sort of the theology and psychology and just their own personal experience on getting rid of the hustle, getting rid of the busy, that kind of stuff. And I just encourage you to listen to it. I'm getting wrecked, <laughs> wrecked by it. And they have tons of practical ideas. So we know just psychologically the issue that social media and media consumption has on our lives. Like, I don't need to go into all that. You guys know. You spend two hours on your phone, on Instagram, you don't feel better. Like, if you spent two hours with a great friend over coffee or over a lunch, you'd leave that and like, dude, I feel so good. I feel so encouraged. Do you feel that way after two hours on Instagram? No. No. It's different, right? And so um, they just talk about the, the tons of practical ideas, like taking that day off. They talk about how you can, how you can kind of structure that day off. Uh, one of the things that they talked about was lay out uh, little three-by-five note cards with everything that you do on them on a table. Write down everything you do. And then stand there, pray and ask the Lord, which one of these things do you want me to pick up? And which one of these things do you want me to leave on the table? One of the things that uh, I've done for a while, and I heard it again in this podcast, was like my phone goes on like brick mode from 9.30 at night to 7.30 in the morning. 
I can't get on the internet. I can't do anything. I mean, just receive phone calls. Um, that's it. Because I know, man, the temptation to scroll and stay busy and stay connected and stay plugged in and not rest and not have margin is so, so, it's so tempting. In fact, I've got it locked down um, to where I can only spend like 45 minutes on any like social media or internet or anything on my phone. And my wife has a password. <laughs> I literally don't know what it is. Um, and so when I get locked out of something, oh, well, I guess I'm done for today. Like, I don't know what, that may seem insane and drastic, but you know what? I'm free. It's so weird, right? So we set up these rules and these guidelines and these guardrails and stuff. And it's like, you would think that would be restricting, but I am more free today than I ever have been. That guy's the process of, of where I was when I was sitting in your seat and doing something every single night. And every, it has been like an eight or nine or 10 year process unraveling that for me. There are still days today where I'll take a day off and I am anxious. I don't even know what, to, it's like I'm withdrawing from heroin or something, you know, like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm anxious, I don't, like, I'm losing it because I'm so connected, I'm so plugged in, I'm so non-restful, I have no margin, I'm so hurried, I'm so busy that it just spills over into my day off. Sometimes a vacation, it takes like two or three days to stop thinking about all the crap that I have to do. Tons of practical ideas. I, I just really encourage you. And if there's uh, any theological issues, Scroggins can help you navigate those. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I don't, I don't think there's anything. Um, so uh, how can we be led by the Spirit? How can we navigate this tension? Uh, I think that daily extravagant time with Jesus is, is so key. And I think we make it too complicated. I think we make connecting with Jesus too complicated. Connecting to the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, I think we make it too complicated because I think we want it to come too easily. <laughs> like transformation moves at the speed of relationship. And relationships aren't the drive through at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> like we want a lightning bolt because it's faster and it's louder. God, lead me! Tell me now! Okay, never mind. You know, like... But that's not relationship. And, and we ask the question, like, how can I hear the Spirit's voice? Well, how can I hear Scroggins' voice? I go hang out with him. Well, how do you know it's the voice of God? Like, how do you know it's the voice of the Spirit? I, I don't know. Can I call my wife? I mean, I called her. And then when she answers, I know that it's her voice. And I'm not trying to be rude or trite or anything like that. But honestly, we're making it too complicated. If I called her and said, you know, and someone else answered the phone, oh, that's not Alicia. She could never prank call me. Like, I know her voice. We spent almost 10 years together at this point. How can you hear it? You, you spend time with him. How can you know it's him? Because you know him. Ways that you can be led by the Spirit. Uh, the first thing is, just before I get into this, you can't be led if you're not willing to follow. Uh, you know, people say, you know, if you're a leader and you're walking and no one's following you, you're just taking a walk. Don't let the Holy Spirit just be taking a walk. And you just sitting down 
You know, like you want, you want him to speak to you and he may ask you to do something that's not fun. He may ask you to do something that's giving up or sacrificing. In fact, that's what we're talking about right now. He may ask you to go into a season of like being a nobody, like not being recognized. He may be moving you into a season where it feels like nothing's happening. He may be moving you into a season of of grapefruit and lots of fun. But whatever he asks us to do, if we want to be led by him, we have to follow what he says. And so just really quickly, reading scripture, it's the word of God. I love what Matt Carpenter said at Salt. He said, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, read the Bible out loud. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) Yes, it's his word. Spending time in prayer. Man, Pam preached an incredible sermon on prayer. I'm not going to, you know, re-preach that. But also listening when we pray. That's, you know, important if we want him to speak. And um, preaching, teaching from Scripture. Godly, wise counsel. Um, I I put godly there because a lot of counsel um, that may be wise. Well, Scripture says this. the, The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God and the foolishness of God. I'm messing that up. The wisdom of God is foolishness to the world, and the, foolish, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. So you want to go to godly people, not just Elon Musk, or your favorite, you know, or Jeff Bezos, or some Instagram influencer to, to give you counsel. They may be wise in the world's eyes, um, but Elon's been married quite a few times. So... Uh, he might put a person on Mars, but his wife don't like him. So, um, sorry. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit, we talk about in 1 Corinthians 14. This is a cool thing about the Holy Spirit, is if we won't be freaked out by him, and we'll actually let him speak and move, like, there's some supernatural things that he can do. He can speak to us supernaturally through wisdoms, wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, those types of things. And then a sense of peace or inner conviction. And that one is, um, I put it last because it should be last. Like all of these things are going to align with God's word. They should. So if you have a sense of peace about sleeping with your boyfriend. No. that's Go back to number one, right? You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, balance. We're living in the tension. Jesus modeled walking by the Spirit. And he modeled a peace and a joy. And I I really feel like, I really sensed this as I was preparing, that God wants to offer you the balanced life. And, And like I said before, it's a practice, it's not perfection. It's something that we grow in, it's something that we 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 learn over time. We allow the, the Spirit to pull things out, and to add things and to change things, and, and we follow His lead. And, and sometimes it seems so counterintuitive, like it may seem like the Spirit's leading you to change your major. You don't want to, but you, you're sensing that. Or to follow the call of God into missions or ministry or, or whatever, or to go be a missionary in the marketplace. Like whatever that is, like, if we're willing to live in the tension, if we're willing to make it a practice, we can live in that balance. And the coolest thing about this is that 
The Holy Spirit doesn't just guide us. He actually empowers us too. He actually helps us. Because we're really, in a lot of ways, too weak to do it on our own. So he helps us be obedient to his leading. And that's incredible. And so Jesus longs to walk through this with us, to see us through to freedom, to see us through to balance, and to help us become more like him. Like become like him and not just do things. So I'm going to pray, um, and then I'm just going to open up the front for folks. And if you just sense in your spirit, like, man, I'm not living a balanced life. I want to, I want to pursue that. Um, I'm just going to give you a chance to come and, and pray and get before the Lord and ask Him to to speak. And if you need to make a commitment to spending time with Jesus and hearing the voice of God and living in Sabbath rest. And come and make a commitment. Like, don't leave here without consecrating that in your heart. Because he wants that for us.